Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Welcome, weary traveler. Need a short rest? Oh, I see. They said you'd be showing up about now. Come on, through the portal. Best not keep the Lord Mistress and Lord Master waiting. You know how they get. Robots Radio presents The Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons and Dragons. Welcome to the Dungeons and Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio, and this is the multiverse famous patron roundtable, the last one of 2023. I am joined by our good friend and patron, Grim Vance. Say hello, good sir. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi, it's me. How are you all doing? And as in keeping with the with the holiday season, uh, people are busy. People are spending time with loved ones instead of talking about D&D with me and Grim, which is I will never forgive the audacity and the insult personally. I don't know about you, Grim. Uh, I mean, I, I'll have to find it in my heart to, you know, understand and make an exception this time. Well, you are better than I because I will. I refuse to understand and I refuse to make exceptions. I know folks are busy, we understandably so. Uh, but we are talking since it is the last patron roundtable of the year. We are entering 2024. 
we are talking our predictions. We're giving, we're looking into the lower cast crystal ball and making bold predictions for 2024. I've got some from the uh from the patrons that were unable to make it. And of course, we've got Grim here to give to give their uh, thoughts. And you know, uh, maybe I'll I'll dive into that as well. I, I will. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to tease you like that. Of course, I'm going to give my predictions. And then uh, after the uh, middle of the show, I'll have a little bit of lore for you. So let's go ahead and get started. Let's start off with uh, with Coffee's uh, predictions. They predict uh, this one isn't D and D related, but it's D and D adjacent. You know, all the cool nerd stuff that we all love. Uh, he predicts that the Henry Cavill, a Henry Cavill Warhammer 40K show will either debut or be announced and have a lot of news come out about it. Do you, are you familiar with Warhammer 40K, Grim? Uh, I am not, but I have heard a lot about it. I've heard that it is a money pit and I've heard that uh, it can be a lot of fun. I, yeah, I've heard all those things. I've heard it's it's fantastic i heard it's a lot of fun yeah and conversely i've also heard it's a lot of money and so i i have too many too many hobbies that i pay too much for to begin with oh, among them dungeons and dragons uh professional wrestling events um so i i, I don't i don't know that i can uh, afford another money pit of a hobby but it does look so cool though and shout out to uh our erstwhile host Good old crit of the of the almighty crit and the fumbling four and like eighteen thousand other podcasts. Uh, they just started a Warhammer lore cast, so definitely if you're into Warhammer or want to get into it, definitely check that out. It's on the Robots Radio Network, so just, you know, check it out. Why not? Another uh, prediction from Coffee. Uh, this one is a little bit of inside baseball, uh, but. Um, as I've announced, we will be doing actual plays with uh, patrons of the show. Uh, they'll be start. They'll start next month in January, uh, and there'll be you know one episode per week, roughly an hour or so, and uh, that'll segue into a West Marches campaign that I'll be running for patrons of the show. And so one of Coffee Bean's predictions is that we are going to have an awesome West Marches time. How accurate do you think that prediction is, Grim? 100%. Eh, actually, uh, sorry, that that's actually incorrect. I'd say it's more like 110% to be It's more exact. I am very excited about this. So for those uh, who are unfamiliar with what a West Marches campaign is, it is more or less an open sandbox style of play for tabletop role-playing games. Um, at its, you know, in its original inception, the idea was you had um, more than your average party, you know, so more than four, more than five, more than six, you had dozen, uh, you know, dozen, if not dozens of players who would get together, decide when they were able to play. And then they would alert the, whoever was running the game, sometimes even, there were multiple game masters or dungeon masters and they would play when everyone got together. So it sort of eschewed the, Hey, we get together every other Saturday night or every Friday night to play D and D and more so like, Hey, we got a, we got a group together. Let's, let's, you know, let's dungeon delve. Let's do some stuff. And so because, um, because the, the, the schedule was a little bit uh, wonky and sort of um, 
at the whim of the players. You know, the DM had to be able to uh, be ready for not anything, but uh, but most things. And so they're able to uh, create a world and uh, different, essentially like, um, like you know, think uh, you know, think your your computer RPGs, like your Fallout's and your Elder Scrolls and your Baldur's Gates. You know, you um, hear a rumor about uh, a cave that has uh, plundered treasure in it, and you might go do that. You hear about a dragon's nest that is a few miles of uh, you know west of town, and you think like, well, that you know, I'm only second level, I probably can't fight a dragon. So maybe you you put that in your pocket and you do it later. But it's a awesome way to play. I've been wanting to try it forever. And I've got a campaign setting in mind that I've been wanting to play with as, as well. I get to combine both. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, if you are interested in learning more about the West Marches, I will link to some stuff, uh, a Matt Colville video, um, as well as to um, you know uh, other resources in the show notes so you can check that out read about it it's going to be a lot of fun uh i again i with you rim i think it's going to be 110 percent fun so grim what are some of your predictions for 2024 well um i've got a few things um one i think one kind of leads into the next one so i'll start with the tcrpg uh, not TTRPG, that's what we're talking about. The virtual tabletop the RPG <laughs> that uh, our wonderful Wizards is making. I think that we're going to hear a lot more about it. I don't know if they have released or if they've announced like a release date for it yet, but I think if they haven't, we will probably hear about that next year. Um, And I think that in my opinion, I think they may have overpromised on a lot of what their virtual tabletop will bring to the table. No pun intended. Waka waka waka. Um so I'm looking I'm personally I'm looking forward to it. I don't have my expectations set very high, but I am hopeful that they uh that they're able to deliver on a lot of what they're um promising us. The main thing that I'm worried about is like their 3D models that they uh that they seem to mention quite a bit. Um, the next thing. Well, before I... you, before you get, before you jump ahead, I want to mention Jeff's uh, Jeff Steele, the poet Furioso. Uh, they also, their prediction was centered around the VTT. You know, they said that they, um, they have a different opinion of that beyond from you. You are you're, you're you like you said your expectations are a little low. Uh, it seems like Jeff's are kind of high. Uh, they predict that the official D and D virtual tabletop uh, will have very few bugs and will essentially quickly take over the VTT landscape uh, because it will have everyone else's successes and failures to build on. Essentially, like your roll twenties, your alchemies, your Albert rodeos, um, all those have you know gone through the trial and error process for the most part, and Wizards is able to learn from all that, you know, by proxy. Um, you know, this is something that I think Wizards is counting on, and this is something that Jeff brings up as well. They 
feel that this is going to be the newest primary way that they can, you know, make turn make money off of D and D. Um, and so as a result, they, in his opinion, will be extremely focused on addressing any issues or potential issues before launch. Like they want to start making money off. They don't want to essentially like, you know, launch this with bugs. They don't want a Bethesda launch, not to throw shade Bethesda's way. <gasps> I love them. I love their games. Uh, they don't want a cyberpunk 27, 2077 launch. Ooh. Uh, again, I love CD project red. I love their stuff, but you know, uh, those games, um, not great. Day one. I personally never had any like major issues with cyberpunk. Uh, I didn't either. And so I think my opinion of it, uh, as a result is, uh, you know, a bit rosy, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I was obviously like tuned in and, and plugged into everything that was going on. And like, there were some wonky bugs in that, in that game. And so I think, or Jeff thinks that the wizard is going to try to avoid all that and launch it as complete as possible. And will it be in 2024? I believe so. I've, if, if it's not released, it will definitely have a release date. I think with the 50th anniversary of D&D, it being the year of the dragon, I don't think that this is something that they um, want to miss out on. So at the very least, there will be a hard announcement, you know, release date uh, if it's not actually released in 2024. But what was think, your... Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, I think you're... I think... Um... I think uh, there are some valid points that are brought up, and I do think that it will be very successful as a D&D virtual tabletop. But I also know that from my personal experience that a lot of DMs would tend to use something a little more universal right? because so they don't want to have neutral. to use a... They don't have to use a specific virtual tabletop for every, you know, game they play. And I think that's the only thing that might stop people from jumping on the, you know, Wizards of the Coast fancy D&D virtual tabletop bandwagon. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you'll still have folks that, you know, have invested a a ton of money into uh, virtual tabletops like Roll20 buying, you know, those modules and buying, you know, stuff for that or... um, you know, alchemy is a newer one. Um, what's the uh, other big one? Um, there's another Pathfinder. Oh, are you talking virtual tabletops? Fantasy grounds? Fantasy ground, yeah. Uh, there's fantasy grounds. There's foundry. Uh, and like I said, like you know, being able to um, play a published adventure on those VTTs for the most part means you have to buy them. It means you have to buy the digital version of that. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so you'll have people that have you know, put a, invested a lot of money into that. You know, your professional DMs that um, might not necessarily. I mean, they'll probably definitely uh, try out. You know, the official wizards, the official D and D virtual tabletop. But I don't know that. You know, like you said, I don't think that um, everybody is going to make the transition and just you know, never use the other ones again. Yeah. The other thing that I am thinking that Wizards of the Coast might have in store for us, and I am kind of excited for this, is, like you said, Year of the Dragon, the 50th anniversary, and the virtual tabletop. Um, I've been saying to pretty much anyone that will listen that they they can't mess this up. Like, it's a golden opportunity all the way around. 
Right. Uh, I think we're going to get some really cool content. And I think a lot of it will be very well integrated into the new virtual tabletop system. Um, I almost wonder, and I'm speculating here, um, predictions. I almost wonder if we wouldn't get some sort of virtual tabletop exclusive content to oh, help no, promote yeah. it more. That's a that's a great prediction. Like, yeah, like a a D and D module that you can only play on the VTT. Mm-hmm. There's no physical release, um, and it's going to be something just you know as simple as just a, a quick one shot adventure. Uh, but no, yeah, that's a that's a gangbuster of a prediction. I hadn't even considered that, but I, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I I could very easily see what was doing that, and honestly, I, I'm I'm here for it because it'll bring a lot of attention to it. Because well, it's new; people want to try new, obviously. Right. So I'm all for that. Um, anything you want to add before I move on to my last and final one? Uh, no, go right on ahead. Cool. So the last thing I got, and this isn't really uh, well, actually, I have two things. This isn't really D and D related. Um, but going off of what Coffee Bean said about Han- about Henry, uh, I actually saw that uh, Henry, you're on a first name basis with Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, figure just, I figure people just I figure people just know who he is. <laughs> um, Henry Cavill. Um, that uh, I actually heard that people were voting to get the Witcher directors in trouble for not letting henry cavill come back to that show so i'm wondering if he might not be coming back to the witcher at some point oh interesting i mean which i'm all for here i know that they had already um filmed or started filming the next season with um with old boy with uh, liam hemsworth yeah and Um, i only saw that i only saw that little thing today it looked like they had put like a little list together of you know uh signatures for that and i was like that could be interesting i would like to see him back i thought he did a very good Geralt rivia i mean Geralt it, rivia. it's uh you know because he loved the character he loved the, the the story the ip essentially you know henry as we all know and love you know and know him by good old henry uh, he's uh, he's probably the buffest nerd aside from Joe Magninella that exists. Um, you know, we should get those two together in some sort of movie, TV show, something. That would be a really good movie. That's pretty. It's a pretty hunky movie. All right, you know what? Bold prediction here might not even be next year, but at some point, Henry Cavill is going to be in the next D and D movie. I like it. I like that at all. Henry and Joe. Yep, Henry uh, and Joe. They will play. Um, they'll play. Oh man, what if I was gonna say they don't look the parts at all? But what do they play? The Margier brothers. Uh, I mean, obviously, like I said, don't look the parts at all. But you know what? Why not? And then my last thing. Um, once again, still not D and D completely, but um, the there is a video game for the virtual tabletop or not virtual tabletop. Yeah, I'm getting my words all mixed up today. There is a video game for the tabletop RPG Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, Bloodlines 2 is coming out next year, and I think it's going to be amazing. I don't know if you've seen the trailer or not. I have. Oh, it looks so much fun. Looks like so much fun. I remember getting um, either the, the Game Informer, some gaming magazine when Bloodlines 2 was announced. 
back in like 2018, 2017, 2018, mm-hmm. and just being so freaking hyped for it. Uh, and then everything that has, you know, happened since then, you know, um, moving uh, development companies, um, obviously being delayed till, you know, the end of 2024. Uh, I I hope I hope it is good. I hope it is awesome because the first mask uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines video game. I was actually just talking about it recently with somebody. That was the first time I discovered the whole world of darkness setting as, like as a thing. That was the first time that um, that kind of like started to look outside of Dungeons and Dragons when it came to other tabletop role playing games. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it definitely holds a very special place in my heart. Um, I still play it from time to time. I still have it on the uh, on my computer. And uh, yeah, I hope I hope the second game is so good. With all the technology that we have nowadays and the creativity that comes out of people in the current video games, I think we're looking at a really good game. From what I understand, the original game had a lot of freedom to it. Like you could do whatever you wanted effectively. I think the new game is going to take that and amplify it. And I think we're just going to have an absolute blast with it. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, uh, the more love that tabletop role-playing games get, the better, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this could be like the Baldur's Gate 3 for Vampire the Masquerade and for the oh, World sure of Darkness so. as a whole. Uh, as far as predictions from me, well, you know, what do we have already announced for 2024? I mean, technically, the the book and the deck of many things is now coming, the physical version is coming out in January. Uh, but beyond that, they have announced, obviously, the 2024 revised core, you know, new player's handbook, new monster manual, new dungeon master's guide. Uh, the original when they first announced it uh, about a month ago or so at PAX U, I believe at Penny Arcade uh, uh, unplugged the Penny, uh, Penny Arcade Expo unplugged. There were, they released images, uh, you know, promo images and the player's handbook had a date on it. And then they wizards asked for those images to be removed and replaced them with other images. So I don't know if it was, you know, um, a placeholder date, you know, just like, you know, just like, hey, this is where the date would be and how it would it would look, and that accidentally got sent out, or uh, if that is the official date, but they don't, they're not really ready to commit to it, but um, it definitely had a date attached to it, um, regardless of when, if it will come out on that date, remains to be seen. But so, but we do have the 2024 core revised core books coming out next year. Uh, also announced, we have uh, quests from the Infinite Staircase, another adventure anthology that will feature um, more classic D and D adventures. You know, updated to the new fifth edition rules, much like Tales from the Yawning Portal is. Uh, you also have the 20th level campaign, you know, levels one to 20. Uh, Vecna Eve of Ruin, where you will face down the Arch Lich himself. Um, so I feel like this will probably come out towards the end of the year. 
Um, and then there's also a updated uh, version of the Lost Caverns of Sajkamp. Um, has a ton of D&D history attached to it. Uh, you know, Tasha and stuff like that. Um, that is really cool. Uh, and what I immediately thought of this when you mentioned uh, Nick, uh, VTT exclusive content. Now, because this new adventure uh, is a one-shot that's designed to be played in a single session and will also include uh, a tournament scoring system which um, back in the day used to run, and, and at conventions today, you, they still have it. You run tournaments of D&D, and depending on how you do what you do, uh, you score points. And, you know, there are, there were official uh, role-playing game association uh, scoring. You know, every, if you go to a convention nowadays, they'll probably have their own scoring system. But, you know, if you, uh, if you attack, if you kill a creature kill a monster five points or whatever if you um if you uh you aid if you uh aid in a unlocking a door it's a point whatever the you know you know whatever it is right and then the winners you know, have the most points right it's 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 a cool way to uh to not really um make D competitive but sort of um game a fight even more and so when you mentioned a exclusive content for the VTT, I immediately thought of this. Not necessarily that Descent into the Lost Caverns of Sochkamp will be that exclusive content, but something similar to that, like a one-shot that can be played exclusively on the, the official virtual tabletop. And as far as like other content's concerned, what's going to be released for the VTT? Well, D&D Beyond's already has, you know, their maps feature that they've been slowly adding stuff to. Uh, I think that the virtual tabletop will be released in 2024. I think uh, for the most part, it's going to be relatively bug-free. I mean, like with any kind of software, it's uh, you can't ever have something completely bug-free. But I think it's um, much like Jeff predicted, I think a lot of the you know bugs will be ironed out. I think when it launches, it'll be pretty good to go. Um, will it uh, be awesome? I think it will be. I think it's going to be great. And uh, I can't wait to play it, honestly. <laughs> I mean, the 3D models look amazing. Uh, the only thing that I would love to see beyond this is um vr i mean if i could put on an oculus and have a dragon standing in front of me and be able to like you know swing a sword and then see my you know swing my arm and be my see myself swinging a sword i mean that's that's all i've ever wanted in life ever let me do that and i can die happy <laughs> Come on, D and D VR. Come on, that sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. I, I I will be I will be completely honest. That does sound amazing. But I, I do have a question. If you're gonna if there's a dragon standing in front of you and you're in virtual reality, are you really gonna try and swing your sword at it, or are you gonna run away terrified? Because I'm running away terrified. Well, I mean, it depends on what my character would do. 
Valid point. Maybe I have a dumb, you know, fighter dwarf who's just going to Leroy Jenkins his way out there. It's a very valid point. But yeah, I think the I think the virtual tabletop will be released in 2024. I think we're going to see um more of a return to you know what D&D was uh like before the pandemic, you know when dungeon you know when representatives from wizards were at conventions when they were really like, it seems like they were trying to build and foster a community. And then over the past couple of years, it, it seemed like they were kind of more, you know, insulated and, and separated from everything else. Uh, I think they're going to try to get back that feeling that they had in the late aughts. And, and I, this idea of having a new tournament scoring system, uh, I think they're going to go back to even further like some of the ideas from like the 80s like when was the last like big heyday for D&D all right what was why was it so popular then what was going on then and they're going to try to replicate that and update it for today so something like a tournament scoring system where you can play D&D and win prizes at conventions you know sort of thing you know win a trophy win a you know do something as opposed to uh simply just playing the game which is fun in itself but like i said it gamifies it a little bit more so that's gonna be that's that's one of my other predictions is like i said they're going to try to figure out you know what what made dnd popular you know six seven years ago and what made dnd popular 20 years ago and or not 20 i guess 30 now i'm so old it isn't it weird how in my mind 20 years ago is always sometime in the 80s I don't think that's that old. I mean, but I it's 20 years. Like, like I said, like for me, 20 years ago is the 80s. And I'm like, now 20 years ago, I was paying taxes and getting summoned for jury duty. Uh, that's not fun. That's not fun. <laughs> Let's not think about jury duty here. <laughs> that's, that's not. Uh, and my last prediction, I'll make it a bold one. I'll make it a very bold one. Uh, in 2024, they will announce a Dungeons and Dragons movie sequel. And I like it, that one. It will not be a direct sequel, but it will have some of the same cast. Not the entire cast will not return. They might show up in like cameos. Um like um Simon and um oh what was a druid's name? That's a great question. Simon and Doric, you know, may show up for uh, a scene or two. You know, maybe they, maybe they did find love, and they settled down and you know started raising a little uh, half human, half tiefling, or I guess quarter tiefling, uh, baby. Uh, but I think uh, it'll probably focus more on Edgin's character, on Chris Pine's character, uh, maybe um, Zank. Um, but I think, or maybe won't even have, maybe the entire old cast only shows up in cameos, but I think there will be, I think they will announce a second D and D movie. I think the first one, while it didn't make as much money as 
you know, Paramount would have hoped. I think the the good faith that it garnered from being so good uh, is going to be enough to push it over the top. I agree. I think Henry Cavill would be an amazing paladin too. I mean, maybe like maybe he's the the main character now. I maybe. would I would love to see, and maybe this is something. Because I know that there is uh, like a Dragonlance TV show in the works and a D&D TV show as well in the works. Uh, I would love to see the different genres explored. You know, like I would love to see a, a 10 episode series about Ravenloft, like or in, at least in the Ravenloft campaign setting, uh, you know, something from Eberron, you know, and they all have like different feels and different vibes. I would love for them to explore, you know, beyond the, uh, and I, I don't want to say basic fantasy, but like the traditional fantasy trope that D and D is known for. I mean, they could make essentially like, uh, not so much an MCU where everything is interconnected, but they have like different characters and and different stories to tell, and based on those stories, you know, it's a different sort of genre, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's my last bowl prediction. I hope that one for sure comes true. Well, Grim, I appreciate you joining the patron roundtable. Say, uh, maybe we'll hear from you again, maybe um, in an actual play soon. I I sure hope so, but I guess uh, only time will tell on that one, won't we? Won't it? Uh, thank you again. We'll be back. We're going to go to the middle of the show. And then when we come back, we're going to have some lore for you. Hello and welcome to the middle of the show where we do all the midly things, all the housekeeping stuff. Uh, first and foremost, what we're going to do is we're going to thank you, the listener. Thank you so much for taking uh, your time to listen to the show. Thank you for supporting the show and uh, just by listening to it. If you want to support the show in other ways, you can go to all the social medias. There's a link. There's a link tree link in the show notes. But, you know, we're on the Instagrams and we're on the TikToks and we're on the the X and the blue skies and all that other stuff. We're everywhere on social media. Uh, we're at DND Lorecast. And you can also join our Discord. A link to that is also in the show notes. We're always talking character builds, memes, homebrew campaign settings, homebrew adventures, all the good stuff. And of course, lore. We're always talking lore. So you can join the community there. And also a special shout out to all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash dndlorecast. And super extra special shout out to all the newest members of the Patreon. We've got Belly Peritus. We've got Nick S. As well as Victor J. And Noah S. Thank you so much for joining up on the Patreon. Uh, We have all sorts of cool stuff available to patrons. We've got early ad-free episodes. We've got bonus content, a bonus episode every month, uh, a couple of Patron Plus installments every month. We've got uh, merchandise. We've got invitations into the Patron Roundtable, as well as the actual plays. Uh, got a lot of cool stuff. If you're interested in joining, definitely check it out. As far as Dungeons and Dragons news goes, uh, not a whole lot. Everything, you know, everything's kind of 
Uh, everyone's kind of hunkered down for the end of the year or the, you know, for the new year or the holidays. And so not a whole lot of news. Of course, uh, we reported this um, a couple weeks ago, but the physical edition of the book and deck of many things will be hitting the stores uh, next week. So if you're interested in getting the physical copy of that, definitely check it out. And when it comes to homebrew, uh, we talked about it as at its launch. I'm going to talk about it again, uh, as we only have at the time of this recording a little less than a week before um, the backer kit ends. But the MCDM RPG, the uh, from MCDM Productions, of course, that's, of course, it's Matt Colville, uh, very popular on the YouTube. In fact, um, uh, we uh, linked to a uh, West Marches video that he um, that he did that I mentioned in the first half of the show. Well, he and a few others have gotten together to build a new game from the ground up. He wanted to build something that um, wasn't beholden to the OGL, that wasn't uh, like a reskin of some of, of 5e. They wanted to build an entirely new game. Uh, and they have almost they have grossed over $3.5 million for this game. So there is definitely a, uh, a hunger for that. There's definitely a, a market for that. And so you have uh, until January 5th or um, to the back it and, you know, give help, help support tabletop RPGs in general, uh, because there's nothing, you know, everyone, there's a lot of tribalism in society nowadays. And there's always, there's, there seems to be this mentality of, you know, us versus them. If you're not with us, you're against us. Uh, and so, uh, you know, there's a lot of folks who, who love D and D, fifth edition and only want to play that and don't and don't care to play anything else and there's some people who uh don't want to play anything D related only want to play other stuff uh and it seems that sometimes the the vitriol gets out of hand uh, let me tell you something that i've learned on, on in the short amount of time uh relatively speaking on this planet is that competition is good the more things we have um, to um, that to compete for our time and for our for our dollar, the better because that means they're gonna uh, they're going to put better products on the market. You know, they're only you know if if you have some half cocked, half assed product, it's not going to do well if there's nine others that are much better on the shelf. And so, and I say this, you know as a lover of Dungeons and Dragons, as a lover of tabletop games in general, but the the better and more uh, popular that other games that don't have a D&D logo on them get is more than likely going to lead to better D&D products because they're going to say like, okay, this this company is is making this much money and now we're making this much less. Like, what is the reason for that? And they'll say, well, their their product is just better. Like, okay, well, then let's make a better product ourselves. And so, like I said, more more competition means better products for the consumer. And that's why I'll always tout other tabletop, other great tabletop games aside from D&D. I just, I love the genre in general. Obviously, this is a D&D lore cast, but playing other games, like Adam said last week, will only make you a better player of D&D in general. So... So there you have, there's a link to the backer kit in the show notes. That being said, let's jump to the end of the show and a little bit of lore.
Welcome to the second half of the show. Of course, the first half, we talked about our big, bold predictions for 2024. And in the second half, I'm going to end with a little bit of a lore from across the multiverse when it comes to the end of the year slash beginning of the year as we are at the time of this episode. So let's start in the Forgotten Realms. So there's a couple of different holidays that are celebrated by different groups of people in Faerun. So the last month of the year on the Harptos calendar is Nightall. And on the 30th of Nightall, the last night of the year, the clergy of the god of Jurgle. Now Jurgle was the god of death before the Dark Three, as they're known as. That's Bane, Merkel, and Baal. So the clergy of Jurgle, they cease their endless toil for a full night. Because usually day to day, they are ceaselessly maintaining and extending these vast archives of scrolls that list how things, people, how everything will some somehow end, <laughs> essentially. Um, they do nothing but scribe the fate of all things living on these cracked parchments. It is said that when the world finally grinds to a halt and passes away, the last of these clergy, the last of Jurgle's clergy, will lay down its pen and crumble to dust. But but on the last night of the year, the 30th of Nighthall, uh, their endless toil ceases for a full night, because on this holy night, known as the night of another year, the priests read every name whose death they have recorded from the scrolls they have carefully inscribed over the past year. And then with a cry of, one year closer. All the scrolls are then burned and work begins anew. All in all, it's it it's it's giving uh like um office space for sure. It's giving it's giving uh like cubicle life. But uh but I like it. I like the one year closer chant at the end. Um brings some sort of fake uh fest you know festivities to the proceedings. Meanwhile, in another part of Faerun, right around the Mulharan Mountains, uh, the worshippers of Geb, and Geb is the eldest member of the Mulharandi pantheon, his portfolio includes mining and miners, which makes sense considering, you know, this holiday. The day of drawing down is what the last day of Nighthall is known as. There, it's a solemn ceremony marking the death of those who died in the depths of the earth and mountains during the year. The entrance of at least one abandoned mine shaft is collapsed each year to commemorate the occasion. Over on Kryn, this isn't exactly the last day or the first day of the year, but on the third day of the year, the Church of Tachesis, who is essentially Tiamat on Kryn, the Church of Tachesis celebrates Dark Day, which is an unusually quiet time for the church. Its members engage in wicked contemplation of old plots and consider their role in the church's hierarchy. This holiday also commemorates Tachesis' eventual manifestation upon Corinne and is thus 
considered a dark celebration in its own right. And when it comes to the campaign setting of Al-Qadim on the planet of Zakhara and the city of Hazaz, the final day of the last month of the year, which is known as Saris, the last day is Wizard's Day, and it is a time when wizards of all types show off their skills. Spells light the sky, and there's a parade of Shair, Jen, and Genies. Sounds a lot like the New Year's that we celebrate, at least in the United States. Lots of fireworks, lots of spectacle. Perhaps Pitbull will sing a song or two. You know, the usual, the usual festivities. Now, when it comes to Eberron, for example, the last three days of the month of Volt are known as Long Shadows. So when the Sovereign Lord Aaron created the first arcane spells, he brought a source of darkness into the world. This sort of sentient force of pure magic that stole his shadow to serve as its vessel. Now, according to the lore, the shadow lurks in the dark spaces of the world, spreading dread and despair, spawning foul monsters, and granting power to those who use magic for corruption or evil purposes. Now, regardless of the very, now regardless of the truth of these tales, the veracity of these yarns, there are three days in Volt when dark magic dominates. These are the three nights of long shadows. For most people, this is a time stay indoors, and huddle around a fire. Be safe. But for the minions of darkness, it is a time to rise up and leave the shadows, to prey on the weak and the foolish who ignore the legends. Now, because dark magic is more powerful during these three days, it is possible that a mage who is a follower of the shadow would need to complete a arcane experiment of a particular variety, such as the construction of an eldritch machine, something that wouldn't be possible were it not for the proclivity of dark magic. So there you have it, some of the festivities and holidays surrounding the end of the year slash beginning of the year all across the Dungeons and Dragons multiverse. And we hope that your end of the year slash beginning of the year in the in Earth Prime, as we know it, Earth 616 for you Marvelites out there uh, is is awesome. And we hope to see you again in 2024. Thank you so much for listening. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thank you for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, consider following us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at D&D Lorecast or jumping into the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net.